0: Apparently you recognize that famous opening scene from The Lion King. At the birth of the new lion prince whose name is Simba, all the animals from across the land come to pay their respects. They travel through field and savanna, jungle and vine, birds descend from clouds, gophers dig up from the earth, gathering at Pride Rock to genuflect before the one who is born their king and protector. Now, the movie is fiction, of course. Elephants and antelopes do not bow before lion cubs. Additionally, Disney gets almost everything possible wrong about how lion prides actually work. (laughs) African lion prides are actually matriarchal, uh, usually ruled by a group of sister-wife female lions. Young male lions are oftentimes kicked out of a pride to fend on their own, eventually Most hook up with other bachelor lions to take over existing female lion groups by killing the young and impregnating the females. Of course, this would not make for a good movie. (laughs) Then again, Disney did come out with Frozen 2, so we know they are not opposed to bad movies. I'm sorry, it was terrible. It was terrible. It was an absolutely terrible movie. I will not budge. Terrible movie. Anyway, quiet down, quiet down. <laughs> but despite its scientific flaws, this opening scene from The Lion King does ask a good question How should we react when a king is born? It's a Christmas question. It's a good one to ask as we gather here together on Christmas Eve. Uh, during the Christmas season here at Rooftop, uh, we've been, on Sunday mornings, we've been going through a series called The Coming of the King. Christmas is our time to celebrate the arrival of Jesus, the Son of God, who came in the flesh 2,000 years ago, born in the town of Bethlehem. And we've been celebrating Christmas here at Rooftop by considering how different people in the Bible reacted to the birth of Jesus. Different people reacted in different ways. The Old Testament prophets, they eagerly anticipated the arrival of Jesus. The Magi were overjoyed to have discovered Jesus. Uh, Simeon and Anna Uh, were relieved that Jesus had arrived. Mary, for her part, was very confused uh, by the arrival of Jesus. Uh, The shepherds were humbled by the arrival of Jesus. Everybody reacted to the birth of Jesus in a different way. We didn't even have time enough in the series to get to all the reactions that people had at the arrival of Jesus. Like Some of them were quite negative. Herod, King Herod, was rather, rather threatened by the arrival of Jesus. He was so threatened by Jesus that what did he do? He decided to try and have Jesus killed. So different people react to Jesus' birth in different ways. It kind of depends on who they are. It depends on where they come from in life, what they want out of life. But as we've considered all these different reactions, the point has been for us to weigh our reaction to the coming of the King. How would we have reacted to Jesus' arrival? Would we have been confused? Would we have been overwhelmed? Would we have been threatened? Would we have been humbled? Because our reaction to the birth of Jesus matters as much as the shepherds does. The Magi's does, Herod's does, Mary's. God's watching us. God's reading our lives to see how we react to his son. And our reaction also matters because Jesus is coming again. That's one of the things about Christmas. That's one of the the subplots to Christmas. Just as Jesus came once, he says he's coming again. We don't just look backwards during Christmas. We look forwards And God's going to ask us how we're going to react to his return. So our reaction to the arrival of Jesus is going to matter because we're actually going to see him. And how are we going to react? Which brings me back to my question. How should we react when a king is born? What's a proper reaction to the birth of a prince? Well, I don't know if it's a proper reaction, but we have plenty of historical examples which bear on this question. When Prince William and Duchess Catherine announced they were pregnant with a baby boy who would be third in line to the throne of England, all of the country was abuzz with anticipation. As Kate moved into the final stages of her pregnancy, supporters began crowding into the Queen Victoria Memorial outside Buckingham Palace, awaiting updates. One British carpenter named Terry waited for 12 days in the plaza, sleeping on a park bench with nothing but a Union Jack blanket to keep him warm. When the Duchess checked into St. Mary's Hospital, reporters held vigil in the lobby, giving minute-by-minute updates on Twitter. Finally, when Prince George was born at 4.24 p.m. on July 22, 2013, and an easel was placed outside the palace with the formal announcement, many Brits around the world wept with joy. Breaking with tradition, William and Kate made a public appearance with their newborn son, George, soon after his birth, to thousands of adoring supporters. That seems like an appropriate reaction to the birth of a king. Huge celebratory crowds. Of course, the irony here is that Prince George will never have any real power. (laughs) He will be, at best, a cultural icon and a reminder of the past greatness of Britain. In that sense, England's reaction to the birth of George seems like an overreaction. Yay! A baby has been born who has no political authority and will probably embarrass us in the tabloid someday. (laughs) Cheers, mate. That's brilliant. Of course, who are we to judge here in St. Louis? Back in December of 1992, we had a king born right here in our own town. Down at the zoo. A baby elephant named Raja entered our world. Raja means king in Hindi. And in terms of an overreaction... We outdid the Brits. <laughs> News crews kept vigil during his mother Pearl's pregnancy. Buses of schoolchildren made pilgrimage. Civic holidays were declared. Happy hours were held after Raja was born. I guess we're that desperate for excitement here in St. Louis that we're toasting the birth of peccadums. <laughs> Although he is a cutie, isn't he? <laughs> Look, there he is over there, a little trunk sticking over the side. We get excited when a king is born. Even if it's a fake king. Even if it's an elephant king. We get excited. Why? Well, when a prince, any type of prince, is born, it gives us hope for the future. It pulls us out of our humdrum lives. It it joins us together at Pride Rock, at Buckingham Palace, at the St. Louis Zoo, to think about what our lives might be like if we had a real leader. We all know what sort of potential we have as individuals and as a human race and what we might become with a real leader. If this is how excited we get at the birth of elephants and royal figureheads who cannot actually lead us, how much more should we react to the birth of a real king, an actual king, a prince with real power? This was the king That Israel looked forward to for centuries. God's people, the nation of Israel, had anticipated a divine king since it became obvious to them that any human king that ever ruled over them or that ever had, had been disappointments. I mean, many of Israel's kings were no better than elephants. In fact, about half of them were worse than what an elephant would have been as their king. Prince Harry could have led the nation of Israel better than most of Israel's kings. The prophets of Israel soon looked forward to a time when God would send a true king, a divine king. They needed one. They had suffered for lack of godly leadership for centuries, being bullied about by their enemies, wallowing in their guilt and their sin. They knew they needed a king. God knew they needed a king. So God told them through the prophets hey, I'm going to send you one. As the Old Testament prophet Isaiah writes, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jesus Christ entered the world as a true king, one who came to set the world right. He started, Jesus started his reign, by dying for our sins and then defeating the power of death, and he will finish his reign by returning, or really begin eternally his reign, by returning to Earth to rid the world of evil and raise the dead for judgment. We don't celebrate Jesus as an elephant king or British royal. We welcome him as the only true king the world has ever known, the prophets the one that the prophets look forward to. But I still haven't answered my question. How should we react when this type of king, this type of true king, is born? What's a proper reaction? In the Christmas story, people react to in all kinds of ways. Is there a proper reaction to the birth of a true king? How should we be reacting tonight on the eve of his birth? I mean, here we are, gathered outside Buckingham Palace. Here we are, gathered together at Pride Rock, awaiting the news. How should we react when we hear it? Well, I think maybe there is a proper reaction, spurred on by this series I've been thinking this Christmas season what a proper reaction is to the birth of a king. How should I be approaching the manger this season? And I think there is a prescribed and proper reaction that has defined the spirit of the holiday for centuries. We sing about it every year, in fact, in one of our favorite Christmas hymns. The word that comes to mind is the proper reaction to the birth of King Jesus is "adore." That's the way to react to the birth of a king. You adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, the song says. Or as I sang in Latin in my high school choir, Adeste Fidelis, Venite Adoremus. O come, let us adore him. This is what we do with babies, right? We adore them. Babies are adorable. I'm sure Jesus was a cute baby. I'm sure Jesus had a cute little button Messiah nose and little red Messiah baby lips. In tiny little Messiah hands, I'm sure Joseph, his father, couldn't help himself from poking his little Messiah belly and saying, I'm sure his parents absolutely adored that adorable little boy, but Jesus was adorable in other ways, too. He was the future king, imbued with power and authority. The word adore actually means to worship. Jesus is worthy of adoration and worship, not just because of his cute baby cheeks, but because he is God in the flesh, given all glory and honor, sent here to save us from our sin, that's the proper reaction to one who is born a true king—to adore him. That's what we're here to do tonight. It's a night of adoration. Now that sounds nice and pretty, but I am a practical man. You are practical people. What does that mean really? What does it really mean to adore the Son of God on Christmas? Let's talk a few specifics before we do some more Christmas worship and then head home to be with loved ones, what does it mean to adore Jesus? I think it means a few things. First, it means to gaze upon him. To adore King Jesus is to gaze upon him. To have a gander, the Brits might say. This is what we do with babies, right? We just stare at them. There's something precious and pure about the vision of new life. The face of a newborn is just a tractor beam to the eyes of everybody in the room. When a friend or a family member has a new baby, that's what you're supposed to go do, right? You're supposed to go see the baby. And not just check in on the baby. You're supposed to go see the baby, to gaze upon her. It's what the shepherds did when they heard the first announcement from the angels that a Messiah had been born. Let's go to Bethlehem to do what? To see the child who's been born king. It's not enough to just know, oh yeah, a Messiah's been born. No, you've got to go see him. And even when Jesus returns at the end of history, we will all be staring at him in adoration. As the book of Revelation says, look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Every eye will have a gander. To adore means to gaze upon, and there is much to gaze upon in the little face of Christ. Jesus is no ugly baby that you can't stand to see, like the old classic Seinfeld bit. I don't know if you know the episode, but Jerry and Elaine are invited to come see their friend's new baby who is apparently absolutely hideous looking ugly baby to everybody but his parents Seinfeld can't even face the child and has to look through squinty eyes to blurt out the unpleasantness although to be honest in some of the paintings representing Madonna and child sometimes Jesus just looks like an ugly little baby some of these renaissance paintings for example that's the baby Jesus why does he look like a middle aged bald man? This is actually a theme in Renaissance paintings. For some reason, baby Jesus in Renaissance paintings looks like an old little old ballman. man. I think that looks like Vladimir Putin right there. I think it is Vladimir Putin. He's even got the abs. Vladimir Putin taking over our elections, now the incarnation? <laughs> Jesus is no ugly baby, though. Jesus is not Vladimir Putin. In the face of Christ, we see the face of God. We see his love for the world that would lead him to come to earth and suffer for our sins. We see his power at becoming a human like us in such a supernatural way as being born to a virgin. We see his humility in emptying himself of his divine prerogatives to come live among us, dirty little humans. And most of all, we see hope. We see all the hope and the promise of the future when this little child will grow up and become the fully endowed king he is destined to be. To adore Jesus is to gaze upon him. It is to contemplate in the face of Christ everything he is and what he came to do. Also, to adore Jesus as the newborn king is to attend to him. This is also how we react to babies. We attend to them. We care for their needs. After Jesus was born, Mary wrapped him in cloths, and placed him in a manger. That would not be the last motherly act that Mary performed for her new son. As one worthy of adoration, Jesus required all of Mary and Joseph's best parenting. Anybody who has ever had a baby knows how high-maintenance children can be. Babies are like little demanding deities. They cry for this, they need that, they want this. They don't care if you're tired or sick of them. They just want you to attend to their needs, and if you don't, they will let you hear about it. Now, I don't know what kind of baby Jesus was. Maybe he was the perfect child who never even made a whimper. Maybe he made sure his mother was well-rested before he politely asked for another go at the spigot. (laughs) Mother, I'm ready now if you are, but only if you are. Whenever you're ready, whenever you're rested. Take your time. My breast milk is to do the will of the one who sent me. Take your time. Maybe Jesus slept perfectly from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Maybe Jesus changed his own diapers. And disposed of them perfectly in the diaper pail. 2 points. Maybe Jesus didn't even poop. Maybe Jesus just like kind of cast out the poop. Be gone. I doubt it. Jesus came as a human being in every way, in every way. Starting in infancy, he had needs. He cried. He wailed. He breastfed. He needed burping. His little Messiah bum needed wiping. This is the absolute craziness of the incarnation of God coming to earth in human flesh, that he needed his bum wiped. It's laughable. It's almost embarrassing thinking of God coming to earth, needing his bum wiped. But Jesus came to identify with us in every way. I came as one of you. You have needs, I do too. To adore Jesus as our king is to care for his needs. Now, Jesus is grown. Doesn't need his nose wiped anymore. But his work still needs attending to. His church needs attending to. His people need caring for As Jesus himself grew up to say, whatever you do for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Christmas is our time to care for the newborn Christ by caring for the people who need caring for. Jesus' brothers, the hungry, the homeless, the sick. We don't need to care for baby Jesus anymore. We just need to care for the people he tells us to care for. That's why we're going down to Mexico tomorrow to build three homes for homeless families. Because those are the people that Jesus asked us to care for. That's why we've got a homeless ministry, a food pantry here in Afton. We're giving out tags on the trees out there. If you want to care for somebody, I mean, had had the opportunity to do that. Got tags on the trees. Care for the people Jesus asked you to tend to. To adore Jesus as our newborn king is to gaze upon him and to attend to him. And lastly, it's to show him off. This is also what we do with newborn children. We want everyone to see. We want to show them off. It's good news that a baby has been born. When Prince George was born, announcements were made and press releases were distributed. A crier in a colorful costume actually came out of the palace to make a very loud official proclamation. Why? Because it's good news that everyone should hear. A child has been born. Life will go on. Hope is kindled. Even I did this. A few days after our first son, Mitchell, was born, back in 2000, I had taken some pictures that I wanted copies of. I didn't have access to a scanner. I think only the, only the government had scanners back then, but I had some pictures that I wanted copies of. So I took some pictures. Here's a picture. Up to Kinko's. Remember Kinko's? <laughs> FedEx Kinko's now, I think. And I was using their color copy, copier to make some, some photocopies. And while standing there in Kinko's, I couldn't help but stare, gaze upon the picture of the new life that God had brought through us into the world. I was gobsmacked by the miracle of life and what Michelle and I had brought. I was fascinated by all the unknown joy and pain that would come to our lives through this little life. And while standing there in Kinko's, I had this overwhelming urge to show someone What a glorious gift we had been given. So I took my photos, and I went up to the strange lady next to me, and I said, look, strange woman, this is my son. He's a week old. Gaze upon him. Gaze longer. Take a gander. And then I went up to the strange man, to the copy machine to my left, And I said, look, strange man. This is my son. He's a week old. Gaze upon him. Gaze longer. (laughs) Take a gander. I spent 20 minutes walking up to strangers in Kinko's, showing them my son. And here's the thing. Nobody was impolite. Nobody was rude. Nobody ignored the announcement. Nobody told me to go away. In fact, everyone was genuinely excited for me. Other strangers came up to see what I was showing other strangers. New babies are universally good news. How much better news, then, is a child who has been born king of the world? I was willing to tell any random person that my son had been born. How many would I have told that a baby is born who is king over all? After you see in the face of Jesus all the love of God and the hopes of humanity fulfilled, sometimes you can't help yourself in Kinko's. That's why the shepherds did what they did after meeting the newborn Christ. Luke writes, when they had seen him, what did they do? They spread the word. The shepherds went to Kinko's and everywhere to spread the word. It's why so many of you here invited your friends and your family and your neighbors to celebrate Christmas with you because that's what you want to do on Christmas. You want to spread the word. You want to show Jesus off, the newborn king. You want your friends, your family, your neighbors to understand that this is the newborn king who grew up to die for my sins and to save me from death and he can do that for you too. If you believe, you want your loved ones to understand that, to show off the power of Jesus. That's a proper reaction to the birth of a king. You adore him. You adore the truly adorable. On Christmas, we celebrate the birth of a true king, a child who isn't a pretend king or a temporary king. He's not a one- or a two-term president or an elephant-named king or British royal. He's a true king in every sense. He came as the image of God himself, the only son of God. He grew up to defeat our enemies of sin through the sacrifice of his life. He overcame death. He tore down empires. He promised to come again to purge the world of sin and judge the living and the dead. Jesus is our true and only king. And how does one react to the birth of a true king? with utter adoration, by gazing upon him, attending to his every need, showing him off in kinkos and beyond. Remember this Christmas, that King Jesus is adorable in every respect and worthy of our adoration like no other king is. So as we gather here this evening, at Pride Rock, at the zoo, at Buckingham Palace, at Type Church, around the dinner table, around the tree tomorrow, with our families and with our friends, let us remember why we are here. Let us remember who we worship. Let us come. And let us adore him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, here we are. Gathered together, a church family with visitors and friends. Why are we here? What should our reaction be? In the Christmas story, people react in all types of ways. Some are threatened, overwhelmed, humbled. What should our reaction be? We are here to adore your son, Father. We are here to adore him. Give ourselves over to utter adoration. That in this little life is all the hope and the promise of humanity. That this tiny little human being grew up to overwhelm the most insurmountable of obstacles, sin and death. And you did this out of your love. When you saw us heading off a cliff, Father, in our sin and war and chaos and greed and guilt, you said, I want them to have every chance. I'm going to go down to earth. I'm going to humble myself and do what only I can do, die for their sins and defeat the power of death. So as we gather around the manger to celebrate Christmas, we are here with hearts filled with adoration, grateful for what you have accomplished on our behalf and what you will someday soon As Jesus came into the world once, he is coming again to set all things right. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your people. I pray for everybody here that you might bless them, not just with warm times with family and loved ones, but with an understanding of what this is all about. We are here as your servants, your children, because of what your one and only son came into the world to do 2,000 years ago. We pray these things in his name and by the power of your Holy Spirit.